God loves humanity. God will judge humanity. Welcome to Right Start with Jim Custer, teaching pastor of Grace Polaris Church in Columbus, Ohio. For God so loved the world, begins our favorite verse, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. The clear implication is that those who choose not to believe will perish. And we see at least part of what that means in the passage we'll examine today. We've been reading about the judgments of God. Today, we'll see how they end. Here's Jim in Revelation 15. Look at verse 7. One of the four living creatures gave the seven angels seven gold bowls filled with the wrath of God who lives forever and ever. There it is again. There it is again. This is not God on steroids. This is God on justice. Then the sanctuary was filled with smoke from God's glory and from his power. No one can enter the sanctuary until the seven plagues of the seven angels were completed. I take that to mean that no one will be saved during this period of time. That's my understanding of what that's symbolizing. So there may well be a period here in this second half of the seven years, toward the end of it, when God's grace and mercy to salvation will not be available. We do know for sure that anyone who accepts the mark of the beast in the hand and the forehead so that they can eat, so they can work, so they can travel, anyone who does that will never be saved. Never. They forever, ever disqualify themselves from the grace of God. Well, chapter 16, verse 1, I heard a voice from the sanctuary saying to seven angels, go pour out the seven bowls of God's wrath on the earth. First one out and poured out his bowl on the earth, and severely painful sores broke out on the people who had the mark of the beast and who worshipped his image. That's a very personal, individual wrath of God. You chose to follow the demon-driven, false prince of peace, Satan's, Satan's fool. Very personal. And that mark, where that mark is, on those person's hands or forehead is where that sore is going to occur. And the words here are, are, are very tough. Poured out severely painful sores. The Greeks suggest that it's an ulcerated kind of incurable, painful sore. Verse 3, the second pours out his bowl into the sea. It turns to blood like a dead man's blood, and all, all life, all the octopuses, all the shrimpies, all the seals, all, all life in the sea die. Verse 4, the third poured out his bowl into the rivers and springs of water. We've heard this already. They became blood. Now look at the response of heaven. Those folks whose vision is clear, who, who have never been 
contracted by sin and defiled from sin. Listen to what they say. I heard the angel of the water say, You are righteous who is and who was the Holy One, for you have decided these things. Because they poured out the blood of the saints and the prophets, you gave them blood to drink. They deserve it. Right in the margin. Perfect justice. Then I heard someone from the altar, this is in heaven, saying, Yes, Lord God the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Heaven does not say, oh God, do you know how bad that's going to be on your reputation? I mean, when people down on earth read these things, they're going to think you're a stinky God. You are a wicked, angry, terrible, terrible, terrible creator. That's not what heaven says. Heaven who sees these things clearly and sees them as they've developed the moment of creation, they're saying, God, your judgments are righteous and they are true, accurate, deserved. Verse 6, the fourth poured out his bowl on the sun he was given the power to burn people with fire, and people were burned by the intense heat. So they blasphemed the name of God who had power over these plagues, and they did not repent or give him glory. They know exactly where it's coming from now. They figured it out. And even in their demonic, twisted thinking, even in their demonized mind, even in their lostness and their blindness and their deadness in sin, they know who's behind this, and they curse God. Imagine that. Verse 10, the fifth angel pours out his bowl on the throne of the beast, that's his kingdom, and his kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues from pain. I can't imagine that. Darkness that would lead to pain, pain so severe that people would gnaw their tongues in pain. That's a pretty gross picture. His kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues from pain. And what? And blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, yet they did not repent of their actions. The sixth angel pours out his bowl on the great river Euphrates. His waters dried up to prepare the way for the kings in the east. I see three unclean spirits like frogs coming out of the dragon's mouth. That would be Satan. Out of the beast's mouth. That's the Antichrist. And out of the mouth of the false prophet. And these frogs are spirits of demons performing miracles who travel to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for the battle of the great day of God, the Almighty. Verse 16, they assembled them at the place called in Hebrew Armageddon. We'll talk about that next week. Verse 17, then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, into the atmosphere. A loud voice came out of the sanctuary from the throne saying, it is finished. Same thing Jesus said from the cross. When he died in the place of all of these people for their sins. And when he had satisfied the almighty wrath of God and judgment of God upon sinners and sin. For everyone, for everyone, he said, it's finished. 
Same word here. It's finished. So God's righteous justice, his holiness, has now been avenged. His character has been clearly articulated. His word and his promises have been accurately kept. It's finished. It's done. There are lightnings, rumblings, thunders. A severe earthquake occurred like no other since man's on the earth. So great was the quake. The great city, probably Jerusalem, split into three parts, and the cities and nations fell. Fell. Babylon the Great was remembered in God's presence. Postpone that to next week. We'll study that. Babylon the Great was remembered in God's presence. He gave her the cup filled with the wine of his fierce anger. And John's going to get an up-close look at that, and we are too next week. Babylon the Great is the empire of the Antichrist, the satanic empire on earth, which will have been in full control for 42 months. It's going to be destroyed. He gave her the cup filled with the, with the wine of his fierce anger. Every island fled. The mountains disappeared. Let me back up there for a minute. Every island fled. Imagine the catastrophic destruction on the earth when that happens, when all the islands disappear and we read that the mountains disappeared. There's going to be a leveling action. You can look at this two ways. First of all, it's God's judgment upon the world and those places that have been used by sinners as expressions of their arrogance. Or you can look at it as God anticipating the next thing he's going to do. But all the mountains that we're so familiar with, all the mountains disappear. How about them apples? Enormous hailstones, each weighing about 100 pounds, fell from heaven on the people, and they blasphemed God for the plague of the hell because the plague was extremely severe. Now, what's your response to all this? God's mean. God would never do that. If God's a God of love, he can't do that. That's your response. That's the logic of the dark mind. That's the logic of the mind that does not know and does not reverence that they are creatures made in the image of God and that when they defy that God and refuse to obey him, they incur his judgment. And this is not over. This, this is temporary. All of these people are going to be wiped off the earth and there will not be one person left on the whole surface of the earth who is not a believer and follower of Jesus Christ. Can I say that any clearer? Now, does God have a right to do this? God has a righteous responsibility to do this. When Jesus Christ ascended, after his resurrection, went to heaven, 
The father said, sit here, son, at my right hand until I make your enemies, no, my enemies, your footstool. In Psalm 2, we read about the arrogant rulers of this earth who shake their fist in God's face and say, let's cast their bonds off of them. Let's throw off their restraints. Let's do it our way. Let's have it our way. Let's make our own rules. Let us be God. We'll be God. We'll take God's place, and we'll have nothing to do with that God up there in the heavens. We know nothing to do with him. We'll do what we want to, regardless of what he says. And you know what Psalm 2 says God does? God laughs. God laughs. God laughs. The Creator has perfect right to do with what He created. The Creator has absolute moral responsibility to destroy those who destroy what He made. The Creator has sovereign, I'm going to say eternal, moral responsibility to declare and to defend his absolute righteousness and holiness. The Creator cannot be righteous if he does less. I never thought of God like that, GM. Better start thinking about God closer to the truth of who he is. And there's no passage of scripture that better shows the truth of who God is than that passage that combines the death of Jesus on the cross for every mortal sinner. And the passage we read tonight which shows how God, who is offended by your unbelief, not impressed by your arrogance, how that God is going to deal with people on the earth. And my brothers and sisters, this is small potatoes. This group of people are resurrected to stand before the great white throne judgment to look Jesus in the face and from there have their lives indicted from the perfect record God kept of all their decisions and attitude and from there be cast into the lake of fire which burns with fire and brimstone and where they are tormented, tormented, tormented day and night forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Why? Because to be made in the image of God carries with it the moral obligation that you live forever. And God's only prepared two places for you to live. One, in his home called heaven for those forgiven. Or in the place he prepared for the devil and his angels and those who act like the devil. And that's 
forever. Heavenly Father, I need to read this every week for the next six to eight months to see the future of the world you've made and the future of those who destroy it, who defy you, who laugh and mock, who refuse to acknowledge you as God, who want to think that you're like another animal or like another human, who have no place in their minds or hearts for the concept of that which is eternal, perfect, righteous, absolutely holy, the one who left his fingerprint on every human child. I need to get your view of why this expression of your wrath is righteous, true, actual, and necessary. My dear friend, as you ponder uh, these sobering, sobering verses, this is how Jesus is glorified. The Father will exalt him and every knee will bow. Yours, you will bow your knee and with your tongue you will confess that Jesus is God. He really is. And you will acknowledge and confess that he died for you in your place on the cross at Calvary. And you will be forced to confess and acknowledge that eternal salvation was made available to you on the basis of faith, not works, faith. Not our good deeds, but the finished work of Jesus on the cross. These huge, gigantic truths, these inconceivable realities of these judgments, this awesome, awesome expression of your holy wrath is real, not fabricated. These things will take place. Indeed, the heavens and the earth will pass away. But these words that you have written through the power of your spirit and the pen of John, these words will come to pass. Take it to the bank, my friend. Take it to the bank. And if you've never confessed your sin to the one who created you, Never ask him to forgive you of your sins and come into your heart and life and give you his mercy, his grace, his forgiveness based upon what Jesus did. If you've never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and be your Lord, your Savior, your Redeemer, I beg you, I beg you, 
I plead with you, do it and do it now. Please, for your eternal well-being, do it. Do it sincerely, do it humbly, do it honestly. Don't wait until you got it all figured out. Do it. Your eternity hangs in the balance of where you will spend it, whether you do or whether you refuse to trust Jesus. Please, please. So Father, take all of us back to these verses often. Help us to see that Jesus Christ will rule and reign over the world. He will rule in righteousness, in truth. He will destroy the present heavens and earth. They will pass away and he will create a new heavens and a new earth. A pure, perfect place where there will be peace and perfection. He will do that. And we who know him and are forgiven and saved by him will spend eternity with each other and with him in that place. Remind us too, Father, that uh, events, happenings, things taking place right now in our world point clearly to promised prophecies, specifically, exactly, to the words that you promised. Not vague, not generalities, but very specifically. And that should encourage us that the day when you're going to snatch us up from this earth before all of these judgments begin must be very, very soon. Thank you. Help us to ponder these things, I pray. And may they shape and shake our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The psalmist sang, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. And our hearts resonate with that note. We long for a time when all evil will be swept away forever. The Apostle of Love, John, has been spelling out for us how God will get from here to there. The title of Jim's sermon is, Heaven and Earth Shall Pass Away. If you'd like a copy of the message on CD, we'll send it to you for a gift of $7 or more. The nine sermons, collectively called With John on the Isle of Patmos, will come to you on disc for a donation of $34 or more. And donations are welcome. It's the generosity of some listeners that makes this program possible. Thank you, Right Start family. Be encouraged. You're making a difference for eternity. And if you're inspired by the example of these anonymous few, you can certainly pray and maybe give as the Lord leads. We hope you'll consider both. Here's how to get in touch with us. Mail us at Right Start, P.O. Box 437, Worthington, Ohio, 43085, USA. Or call 1-800-984-2313. That's 800-984-2313. 
and navigate to rightstartradio.org, our home on the web. From that site, you can find out how to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, or you can play or download complete sermons by Pastor Jim or play the radio programs. You can also make a secure donation there and even email us. And we're not capturing your email address so we can hit you up for donations forever. We'd just like to hear from you at rightstartradio.org. Thanks for listening. I'm Dan Pope. More help for reading Revelation on tomorrow's edition. Please join us again for the next Right Start.